Suffering in the flesh is designed to increase our faith. Accepting the unseen world as reality. Suffering in the flesh is designed, if you look at it from Genesis to Revelation, suffering God's way. Not because you sinned and now you're suffering with its consequences. No, suffering is designed so that you can, so that it is, that your faith is increased in God. And it's the unseen world. God Himself, Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of the Father, the Holy Spirit. We as humans were designed to be spiritual beings. That's what we were designed to do. We were designed to be in communion with a holy God that is unseen. We were designed to be governed by a conscience that is unseen. Whether the spiritual reality from without or the spiritual reality within. We were designed to be controlled by the Holy Spirit that indwells each and every believer. Do you believe that? Or, unbeknownst to you, have you fallen under the thumb of Charles Darwin? who because he wanted to deny the reality of the spiritual world, came up with the greatest story, the greatest lie ever told, that's evolution. To do away with the spiritual realities, the unseen God who spoke and the world came into existence. The unseen world, whether we realize it or not, that is more important than what you see. First Peter, as we continue in First Peter chapter three, First Peter, and you will see it. He, he he takes suffering within the context of the unseen world, whether it be your conscience, or whether it be the reality of the spiritual world unseen, the reality of the spiritual world in which you and I can't perceive with our eyes. And what you believe about that will determine the way you behave. Let us begin. First Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling with reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you are called, that you may obtain a blessing. Here's the first point. Blessings come When we live before God, not reacting to evil. Blessings come when we live in the presence of our unseen God. Trusting him, trusting his word, and not simply reacting to what you see. Not simply reacting to some evil guy at your work trying to push your buttons. And to do this, Peter continues in, 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 in verse 10 by quoting, he takes a quote right out of Psalms 34. 1 Peter 10, for whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil, his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. That's in the context of, 
That is in the context of someone speaking evil towards you. When they curse you, do you curse back? When they cut you off in the car, what do you do? When grandma gets in the left-hand lane and goes 45 miles an hour, what does your tongue do? How can you do this? Even if the guy or the woman at your work deserves it, even if they've been getting on your nerves, even if they are intent on hurting you. How can I bless when they're evil? Well, it goes back to what you believe. Verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Do you believe it? Because if you struggle with believing that your unseen God sees all, then when they curse, you might curse back. When they revile, you might give them a piece of your mind. If you believe God sees, and you believe that his eyes are on the righteous, ears open to your prayers, but the evil person set on your destruction, he will ultimately deal with. If you believe that, then as they curse, you can bless. As they seek to harm, you can forgive and seek to love. But it all goes back to what you believe. For the Christian who struggles with putting his faith or her faith in the unseen God, you will always struggle in the midst of suffering and your trials and your tribulation because you will always be focused on what's before you. And Satan's he's no, he's no different. He's always going to try to get you to focus on the evil before you, what you see. React, 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 react. That's why the person at work, they keep coming at you. Or your fa- or family member who is dead set against Christianity or your neighbor who refuses to do right. If you are controlled by what you see, Satan's got you. But if you believe, the eyes of the Lord on the righteous, then when they curse, you can bless. Blessings come when we live before God, when we recognize the reality of the spiritual world. Then we can love. Verse 13, he goes on. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? That is a a tricky verse. Let me untricky it for you. 
At the time, Christians are being thrown to lions, sawed in two, crucified. So how can Peter sit up here and say, now, who are there? Who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? People are preaching the gospel and are dying by lions. Peter, how can you say this? The term here or the idea is simply that for the long term, for the long haul, what ultimate harm can come of you? Not to spend too much time. What home they can come and tell us was good. Verse 14. But even if you should suffer. Here and now, even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Peter, once again, you're making no sense. How can you say suffering for righteousness or the word suffer with blessed in the same sentence? Peter, you make no sense. Well, that's only if you are stuck on what you see, stuck on what you experience, stuck on what you touch, smell, taste, hear. And Peter now is going to show you how good can come from suffering. But, but even if you should suffer for righteousness, say, uh, you shall be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Here's the second point. Suffering is used to cleanse the conscience before the Lord. God uses suffering in my life and in your life to deal with this unseen reality called the conscience. The conscience where guilt and depression and anxiety reside. The conscience where joy and peace Suffering is used to cleanse the conscience before the Lord. Look at how he does it. Verse 15. But if, but in your hearts regard Christ, the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. So as you, as you continue to grow, as you go on with your Christian life, you are going about your business, building the kingdom, sanctifying the Lord in your hearts. Building the kingdom. And look what happens. Verse 16. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect in the face of what? Having a good conscience. So that when you are slandered, not if you are slandered. When you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. So here you are. Going about your business, preaching the gospel, making disciples. You're giving answers with gentleness and respect. And when they slander you, what are you to do? Still gentleness, gentleness, still respect. Building off of what he said before, when they throw evil your way, you bless. Well, how do you do that? How is that even possible? In order to understand what Peter is saying, you have to understand the nature of slander, the nature of gossip, the nature of name calling. In essence, the nature of evil when it comes 
your way. Here's the example. John, you're an idiot. Whoever John is. John, you're an idiot. And John said, no, no, am I an idiot? What are you talking about? Name calling is always designed, and I've said this before, name calling is always designed to get you to react, not to think. Whether it be on your job, whether it be at school, whether it be on a phone, whether it be on the Internet, slander and name calling is somehow to get you to feel bad about yourself, to react to whatever accusation I give you so that you stop thinking and you start feeling. The hope is that you shrink from the accusations. And so if I say, John, you're an idiot, John is thinking, am I an idiot? Am I not smart? Man, I, I did get a few seasons. Ooh, I don't, I don't know. I don't. John, you're evil. Am I evil? I try to do good. To do good. John, you're overweight. I am a little overweight. Slander will always try to get purchase in your conscience. What are you insecure about? How can I get to you? But any true believer knows that the process by which we go through suffering. What is suffering designed to do? To get us to trust in God. Not ourselves. It is through the process of suffering that the Lord strips us of any self-righteousness that we have. So when you say, James, you're stupid, I can say, maybe I am, but God is good. James, you're an idiot. I'm not the smartest, but God knows everything. Bless you. I love you. If you don't repent, you're going to hell, but I love you. You can continue to bless and to give an answer and to love in the face of evil. When they revile, you revile not. When they slander, you don't slander. Why? Because my conscience is now clear before him. Yes, I have faults. I'm not on the, I'm not under any illusions. My identity is found in Christ and him alone. My self-worth, it comes from the cross, not from me. And as I go through suffering, and I focus on Christ, who he is, and who I am in him, hard to hurt that man. Hard to hurt that woman. Slander and gossip is to somehow find a way into your conscience, your heart, your mind, and it will always land on your self-righteousness. You see, if I'm dead, it's hard to hurt a dead man in Christ. Hard to make me feel bad about myself if all my worth is in Christ. Slander doesn't work with me if I'm in Christ. Do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience. That is the basis by which now you can love. 
a good conscience so that when we are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in, in Christ may be put to shame. Verse 17. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. He puts that little caveat in. Once you go still, this doesn't apply to you. Once you sin, you will suffer because of the consequences of your actions. Better for you to suffer doing good. That be the will of God than for doing evil. Here's the last one. For Christ also suffered once for sins. The righteous for the unrighteous. That he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh. But made alive. And the spirit is a reality that, 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 that we stand on. Here's the third one. The suffering at the cross echoes throughout the unseen world. He's going to give us an example of Christ at the cross. How suffering sometimes you don't even know it. You don't see it. You don't know what's going on with your boss or whoever's hurting you. God has a plan. And if you are just willing to be used by him. Christ suffered once for the five sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. And he gives us an example. Being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the spirit. Look at this. In which. Before I go to verse 19, suffering at the cross, the blood shed at, the, at, at Calvary. That's what you can see. That's what you and I saw. That's all. But that's not all. Verse 19, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Because they fallen and did not obey. When God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared. In which a few, that is eight persons, were brought through safely through water. At some point, it is debated, but at some point after Christ dying on the cross, it says that he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. I do not believe that is evangelistic. He simply went down and said it is done. It's over. I've completed it. All the efforts of Satan and demons to, to, to damn man to hell forever. It's done. Now, because of the cross, men who come to me, that trick you did, Satan, in the garden, nullified. If they come to me, born in sin, shaped in iniquity, wayward from the womb, all of us are sinners. Every last one of us. But the woman... The man who comes to the end of themselves and honest with themselves and says, I can't do it. I'm evil. And as much as I want to do good, I keep doing evil. I hurt the ones that I love. I keep doing this sin that I know hurts me and others. Jesus, help me. At that point, 
The blood shed at Calvary is applied to that woman, that man. And they'll be with God forever. That is the message I believe he brought to the spirits and proclaimed to them. These, I do believe it is an, an illusion or, or a reference to these evil spirits in Genesis 6. The ones that are locked up before their times, he went down and he told them, hey, it's finished, it's done. And then look at verse 21. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Not what we do in there. Water that touches the flesh, that which you can see, that doesn't save you. What saves you is an inward response to the gospel message. An appeal to God for a good conscience. And that is unseen. And what he's doing, what Peter is doing, he's showing you, look. Look at what the cross did. That's only what you can see. Jesus up on a cross. But look at the ramifications of suffering in the unseen world, the world of which you cannot see. Understand that your suffering isn't just about you. Your suffering isn't just about what you can see. But there's a lot of things that go on behind the scene. Jesus died on the cross, that's what you could see. You didn't see him go down and proclaim to the captives, it's over. And you can't see when someone appeals to God and are saved, their conscience being clean, the depression, the anxiety lifted from a heart. You can't see that. He continues. Verse 22. Who has gone into heaven is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. You simply saw the cross. Look at all that flowed from it in the unseen world. He now dominates. He now puts his foot on the throat of demons because of that cross. Well, James, that's Christ. No, that's not just Christ. That's us. Man by the name of Job was, was doing wonderful. Richest man in the east, wise. And in one day lost everything. He didn't know why. He didn't know. But we, thousands of years later, knew what he did not know. There were things going on in the unseen world. Job thought he was suffering, or, or his friends thought he was suffering, and Job questioned, and he went back and forth, suffering because somehow he was unrighteous. No! The exact opposite. You were suffering because you were. And through your suffering and the testimony of your suffering, you showed all of humanity that humans can truly love God. Remember Satan? He only loves you because you would you give him. God in essence says, no, he loves me because of who I am, not because of what I give him. 
Satan said, let's test. He said, okay, we'll test it. Stripped them of everything. Yet the scriptures say over and over and over again, Job did not sin with his lips. Job could have just simply sat there and focused on his suffering, taken the advice of his wife, curse your God and die. But he says, no, you speak as a foolish woman. Paul, 2 Corinthians, picks up this theme. Fourth chapter, he says, listen, in essence, if you are to live a victorious Christian life, you have to focus on the things unseen, not the things seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are unseen Those things are eternal. And then he gets down to the fifth chapter of 2 Corinthians, and he says the famous statement, for we walk not by sight, but by faith, by trust. And how important is this to to, to rely on the unseen world, not simply to trust what we can see, The writer of Hebrews comes along and says, without this faith, it is impossible to please him. And as we continue to grow as a body, as a church, as individuals, how you grow and how you act will be dominated by what you believe. Does God see all? Will he honor you when you bless instead of curse? Will he honor you, as we said the week before, the week before last week, that when you are when you are going through suffering, you don't revile, you don't fight back, but you continue to trust he who judges justly. Will you do that? You follow Christ's example and not be so self-centered. Sometimes you're suffering. It's not all about you. I'll close with this. In August of 2013, I, I, I lost my mother to cancer. Her and I, we talked an awful lot. One of the subjects we had was that my younger sister, boy, we just didn't know. She showed no no initiatives in the things of God. She refused to go to church. Never fellowship. Even though I talked to her, my mother talked to her, my older sister talked to her. And I remember there was a conversation I had with my mother. Um, and she began to talk, and we began to talk. And, and it come upon us that um, she lived with my mother, and, and maybe she was just a little bit too, too dependent upon my mother. And so she saw no real need. Life was good, rent-free, nice house. Good. 
Um, my mother passed. She died again in August of 2013. And because of that, my sister's, my younger sister's crutch was gone. Shortly after that, she began to go to church. Me and my older sister, whoa, goodness. She started to go to Bible studies. She started to reach out. If people rise to church. And just recently, Lena told me she was starting some new study to get to be more intimate with women in the church. And I remember talking to my older sister. You know what? We could focus on the death of our mother. But I can guarantee you this. My mother, being a strong believer, if the trade-off was that my sister's, my younger sister's crutch be removed, and if that is what got her to be serious about God, then my mother would take that trade-off any day. It was worth it. The cancer and the suffering and the subsequent death of my mother if that is what it took, then I am certain my mother would say, I, I'd take that. But you can only look at it that way if you believe in the unseen world. If you believe that he who dies in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. As difficult as my the death of my mother was, eternally speaking, and I'm sure my mother would agree with it, it was worth it. The suffering was worth it. Let us pray.